This series gives you a direct line to the pinnacle traders. We're covering everything from when the odds are initially posted to looking at how the market might react. This is the opening line. We're back again for the opening line and we're looking ahead to week 14 of the season. The odds for the weekend have hit the board at Pinnacle, so I'm here with Adam Chernoff to analyse the odds and see if we can expect any movement in the week. How's things going, Adam? Going well, but probably not as an eventful of a weekend as you're having at the moment in Texas. Yeah, it's been a good one, I think, of cursed Texas sporting-wise, but good experiences all the same. So you saw the, you saw first NFL game and first NHL game? That's it, yep. Cowboys went down, uh, the Dallas Stars went down, so I think I've, I've cursed them up over here. How's the week been for you? Well, it, it's been uh, eventful, frustrating, irritating, and I guess successful in terms of Sunday Night Football and how that just finished up. But um, basically, I had a wash for the week, and it could have been a heck of a lot worse, and it could have been a heck of a lot better. So I guess I, I'm not allowed to complain about that. Well, I'm in Texas, so we can move on to our first game, which just so happens to be the Dallas Cowboys at the Chicago Bears. Let's do it. Right, we've got the Cowboys. They've been posted as a three-point favourite on the handicap with the over-under at 43. Both marks here are obviously key numbers and they look like it's a, a very even split at the moment. Just talked about it there. We did have a poor showing from the Cowboys on Thursday. Do you think the market's going to react to that enough to see either, either of these numbers move around? I think that they're probably going to be able to see through what that Chicago win was against Detroit. And I was very early on Chicago last week. I got them at minus one before they closed at minus six. And I can say probably pretty confidently that a lot of the market probably ended up at the high end of that one to six range. So a lot of people sort of disappointed again, but it'll be interesting to see what comes from that box score. Cause if you look through it, Mitchell Trubisky did play extremely well. Uh, and then obviously the Dallas Cowboys disappointed everyone in national television, one of the most watched games of the entire week. Um, so I think that this is one where it's set right now at three is, is probably quite fair as I just don't see there being a ton of support either way here. But from the total perspective at 43, I think this is a number that continue really can, 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 can <laughs> We can cut that out. It really can continue. There we go. We're already on a hot start with the uh, with the similar words going back to each other. But at 43, I think it's going to go up higher. 44, obviously the key number just above this. But we really saw the issues that Dallas has on defense. And the Chicago pass rush is non-existent. So I think it's a game that could generate a lot of points between the two teams. Well, we've had strength of success. Now we've got can continue. Can continues way more difficult than strength of So I already <laughs> screwed that one up. It's tough. It's tough. Those two phrases always get me. We can start as we mean to go on. Next up, we got Baltimore Ravens at the Buffalo Bills, and the Ravens just about kept their good run going with what with that win against the 49ers. The traders think they're worthy of minus five here, but there is a feeling that the market might move on them and push that mark further out. The over-under, meanwhile, is on 44. Um the Bills might get a bit of attention after that win against the Cowboys, but the market has been quite big on Lamar Jackson, the Ravens for a while. So which way do you see this one moving, if at all, I guess? So when they say that they're worthy of the minus five, is that perhaps indicative that it could have been higher, but it's just a little bit shorter as we saw similar with the Broncos on the road at Buffalo a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, so a feeling that the the market might move on them, so potentially it could be higher. And 
I guess my I would agree with that because of the matchup that they present against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo still remains uh, a well below average run defense that has faced the easiest schedule of rushing opponents in the NFL through 13 weeks. So when you get a team like Buffalo who's underperforming against an extremely easy schedule, that usually indicates that their performance is going to go in one direction. And we saw against the Dallas Cowboys, especially in the first quarter, when Dallas ran the ball 10 to 12 times, Dallas was having no issues running the football on the ground. For whatever reason, they elected to only run Zeke twice in the entire second half. So really that advantage that Dallas had against Buffalo went away. Uh, this is a spot, though. Baltimore, obviously, one of the most run-efficient teams in the NFL, and how they do it is very different. So I definitely could see why this point spread would continue to go up. And I could also see the total going up, too. The one thing I would caution early this week there is some wind in the forecast for Buffalo and the markets have been reacting probably more so than any year past to wind in the last about four to five weeks, especially this year. Um, it's been a big overreaction anytime there's wind. So this is a number from a total perspective that might come down just a little bit until that forecast is confirmed, uh, but certainly an advantage here for Baltimore. And I think with the pace that Buffalo's playing at, we could see this total go up as well through the key number of 44. So our next game here is Washington Redskins at the Green Bay Packers and no surprise that we got a big handicap. The Packers currently on minus 14. The over-under is, over-under is on 42 and a half and these big handicaps have been a bit difficult to work out this season. So do you have any initial thoughts on these numbers? Well, I was on Washington and they did quite well against Carolina. So I was pretty pleased with that performance. I don't think that the 14 is going to hold. I think it probably comes off of that and gets to 13 and a half only because the same matchup advantage that existed for Washington and how they play offensively really exists here against the Green Bay Packers, who are the second-worst rush defense in the NFL. So this is a spot where Washington can probably be pretty comfortable in how they want to move the ball, and, and it just becomes a case of the Packers having to cover this big of a number. It's a little bit more attainable for them than it was Carolina against the Redskins uh, earlier today, but I think this is a, a side that comes down, but a total that probably sits around 42. This is really going to be weather dependent. There is a bit of wind, but there isn't any snow or anything forecasted. So I think 42 here probably fair given the pace Washington plays. So already this week, we're we're hearing a lot about wind and weather and the impact that can have. Yeah, it's just, it's getting a lot of reaction within the market. I haven't really made a bet this year. And it's the first season that I really remember not making a bet based off of the weather. But I'm looking at it more so early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just because these totals are reacting to the weather that's anticipated so much. And then we see it cool down Thursday, Friday uh, before there's another sort of wave of overreaction Sunday morning before the game starts. So it's more so just gauging where the reaction is going to come from than it is actually sort of using it to take a position. Right, and now we'll move on to the San Francisco 49ers at the New Orleans Saints, and this one looks like it could be a good game. The 49ers obviously ran the Ravens close than most teams have this season. They've got another tough opponent on the road in the Saints, and home field advantage could be the key here because we've got the Saints at minus three and an over-under of 45.5. Is there anything here that might move the market through the key numbers or, or push this, push the Saints further out, do you think? I think it's going to take a lot of work to get it through the three. And at two and a half, I wouldn't be surprised to see 
a lot of support for New Orleans. So I think this is a case where, from just a trading perspective, they may be better off just keeping this at a three and just sort of manipulating the VIG alongside of it rather than starting to move through the numbers. We've already seen it come off of the three and a half and get down to three. So I think that's quite telling and just reflective of the matchup issues that the San Francisco defensive front poses for the Saints and also the way that they play coverage, uh, which could put a lot of pressure on the Saints passing attack, which I don't really have a lot of faith in myself, uh, but it's just really not a great matchup for how New Orleans plays schematically on offense. So I think that three and a half to three was probably the telling move within this market. We're just going to see this hang around three for the rest of the week. The total though at 45 and a half could very well come down. I wouldn't be surprised to see this uh, dip down and move towards the key number of 44. Right. And our next game is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns and the Bengals are coming off their first win of the season after turning over the cough. New York Jets, 22-6. The Browns, meanwhile, they'll be very disappointed that they didn't get the win against the Steelers, so they'll be hoping to bounce back. The Traders have got the Browns at minus eight, but apparently this could easily be up to double digits. They want to see what the market's appetite's like early on. Um, In terms of the total, we've got 42.5 on this one. So again, any initial thoughts here? So the Traders are into the Browns by the sounds of it. That's what it looks like. I could see this potentially gathering a little bit of steam here from the number as, again, it's a situation where just schematically what Cleveland wants to do on offense matches up very well against the issues that Cincinnati has on defense. Um, So it's a similar situation with San Francisco and New Orleans where we're we're probably going to see a little bit of an initial move in the next probably 12 to 18 hours in favor of Cleveland. I would write it at 8, moving it to 10. Is not going to take a lot of effort. We might ultimately see it move through the 10, uh, but it's just a really good matchup for Cleveland. Right now we've got Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons, and this one kind of hovering in that dead zone at the moment, minus two in favor of the Falcons and a 48-point total. We had a couple of weeks earlier where the market, or we thought the market was undervaluing the Panthers, but it's it's been difficult to have much faith in them based on the recent performances, especially that most recent loss to the Redskins. So... Is this line fair, do you think, or is that recent matchup between the two having too much of an influence on the on the odds here? I, I Initial feeling here is that this side is a little short. I wouldn't be surprised to see it get to three. Um, the Falcons initially took a little bit of support in the early stages of the market last week, uh, and then certainly the week before that, they took a lot of attention too. So there has been interest in backing the Falcons I think Carolina, from a market support standpoint, is going to be really lacking. And some of the defensive injuries that are mounting for Carolina on the defensive front on their D-line are getting really concerning, too. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this get to two and a half, potentially three. Uh, But just because it's such a low-handle game, it's not really going to take a lot of effort to get it to that key number. So um, wouldn't be surprised to see some Falcons money come in. And from the total perspective at 48, uh, it's probably set quite well, in my opinion, where it is right now. And now we're going to move on to the Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. And the Jets have been posted at minus five and a half on the handicap here with the over-under at 44. All jokes aside, we have got two teams that are coming into this off after contrasting results in week 13. The Dolphins are going to be riding high after that win against the Eagles, while the Jets are on the opposite end of that spectrum after going down to the Bengals. Do you think maybe we'll see the market buy into a reaction from the Jets or are they going to lean into the Dolphins at plus five and a half? 
this one's i mean this is a big number initially to my thought but i really started looking into it and it's probably quite fair at the moment sitting at six um that first meeting between these two teams a few weeks ago was quite misleading in how it played out jets had turnovers inside the 10 yard line uh through an interception inside the miami end zone so that could have looked a lot different but this again is a defense that the jets passing attack can really take advantage of so that's obviously going to weigh more so into the price than just a straight running advantage like we were talking about earlier with Washington. Uh, this total, though, at 43.5, it moved up to 44 quite quickly. And I think that's just reflective of how well both of these passing attacks could move against each opposing secondary in this matchup. Jets suffered a couple more injuries uh, to defensive backs, which has been an issue for them all season. We saw Andy Dalton move the ball downfield with, with relative ease with limited receivers. And now that the Dolphins have a few guys emerging and Fitzpatrick uh, leading the league in intended air yards per throw, uh, certainly the opportunity for points in this game. But it's been a couple weeks in a row now that Jets games have been on pace to go over into the third quarter and then absolutely fallen off a cliff. So it's a team that takes advantage of poor secondaries. And this is a spot where we could potentially see points. But at 44, the key number, I think that move initially up to that key number was quite telling. Next up, we've got what could be an interesting one. It's the Indianapolis Colts at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It looks on paper to be a fairly evenly, evenly even matchup if the initial odds are anything to go by. The Buccaneers are minus three and the total is 49.5. The traders are interested to see how better see these lines and apparently there's potential to move us off the three in favour of the Colts. So what are your thoughts on the openers and do you agree with that? I, I'm not interested in backing Tampa Bay laying points. That's for sure. I've sort of, that was a conclusion I got to about midway through the th- season. And when we, we've seen them look very differently as an underdog versus a favorite, just because of their inability to sit on a lead when they have it. And also their inability with, with so many turnovers uh, going against them. So um, Colt season essentially on the line with this game. Uh, it's a big spot for them against a very weak secondary. So potential for Colts to find some success offensively. I I could see the move coming off the three. That wouldn't necessarily surprise me just because I don't think that that support is going to be there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying points. And with that kind of the, the game management element, which is obviously important once you get ahead, is that something that you pick up on within certain teams or are you constantly kind of analyzing to look for for those elements of the game that could have an impact on say like a a handicap market personally i'm just a big game state guy overall because i think it really helps with how you look and handicap a game rather than just saying a team has a passing advantage or an advantage throwing the football and and just assuming that they're going to exploit that for four quarters Uh, It's not really how football works. Obviously, if you're betting on a team to get ahead because they have a significant advantage, the play clock and the scoreboard are going to dictate how plays are called later in games. And you notice some pretty significant tendencies between teams to how they call plays when the game is close or how they call plays when they're playing with a lead. So it's something that I certainly pay a lot of attention to because I think it provides a lot of value. And this could be a case where where we see that is it just it becomes a task that might not be too manageable given the number for the Buccaneers to hold on to. And now we've got the LA Chargers that Jacksonville Jaguars and the traders have posted the charge at minus two and a half for this and pitched the over under at 43. One of a few games this week where we're kind of hovering around that three. 
do you think there's enough there for the market to push the Chargers past that mark? There's always support for the Chargers from influential and professional money. You'll, you'll see at any time that there's a number that's advantageous, the Chargers will take it because of all the talent they have on their roster. The problem is, as we've seen this season, is it just doesn't come through. They've outscored their opponents, but they're four games under 500. It's just a team that continuously finds ways to mismanage games late in the fourth quarter. Bit of a question mark that I have with this, which will leave some hesitation for my answer, is we don't know who the starting quarterback for Jacksonville is going to be. Nick Foles was benched at halftime. Gardner Minshew came back in, uh, ended up scoring some points for the Jaguars, ended up making a mistake, which cost them another touchdown, but they could have ended up with 18-plus points in that game against the Buccaneers. So it's it'll be have to see who ends up getting the start and how that game is handled offensively for the Jags. But I think that there's always going to be a point where there's going to be support for the Chargers. So just from that standpoint, now that it's come off of the three, um, I think there's some room for it to move. But I wouldn't be surprised to see this come back at some point in favor of L.A. And normally we kind of, when we do this podcast, you're talking from a a betting perspective. But to put you back to to when you were setting the odds and, and the bookmaker side of things, you were saying... LA always get support how how much would you kind of take that into account when you're setting these odds and kind of account for that and wait for that support to come in or or set a number that might allow you to take advantage of of what you know so I can't really give like a blanket statement answer that would apply because it's so dependent on your players which is key when you're bookmaking you have to know who your players like what their tendencies are and where they're going to come in so putting myself on the other side at a book like pinnacle that caters to a wide variety of customers and has high limits and low margins that professional money is going to be much more much more frequent than some of the shops that i was working for where it would be a rare case if we were getting more than 40 percent of the total handle on straight bets so there were certain teams in certain situations that i would absolutely circle and i would shade the numbers dependent on where i anticipated that money coming in Uh, but when you're dealing with a large company like pinnacle or you can insert any other bookmaker in there it's going to be different case by case because of how they rate their players so um, certainly there are times with teams that you're going to anticipate that money coming in and you're going to put the number a certain way if you're anticipating on when that money is going to come in, if it's after limit bumps middle of the week, if it's after the last limit bump late in the week, when it's going to come in, you're going to have to keep that in mind when you're trying to manage your risk early in the week. So it's hard to give a, a full sort of blanket answer, but absolutely it's something you have to think about depending how your players play. And now we've got Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots. And again, it's probably going to draw a lot of attention. We've literally just seen the Patriots lose to the Texans. I've, I've still got the TV on mute in the background. But people might be surprised that to see them below the three. Um, they're currently listed at minus two and a half. And the early money seems to be on the Chiefs here. Um, the over-under, meanwhile, is on 48 and a half. So I'm quite keen to get your thoughts on this. Do, what are you thinking about the odds here? So from my power ratings perspective going into the week, I've not updated anything yet. I had New England first at 92. I had Kansas City second at 90. And then I had San Francisco, Baltimore third and fourth at 88. And I had the league range from top to bottom at 21 points. So really between these two teams, uh, there was just about one point of separation. That's 
I mean, I haven't really done a lot of work revisiting some of these games. I'm assuming that I'm probably going to have both of these teams right around equal at a 90 um, going into this week, which would make this spread probably a half point low of where I would put it. This would probably be a New England minus three spot, just considering that I have them equal. Maybe Kansas City slightly ahead. So at three where this opened, um, I, I certainly I think that this is just two equal teams with the New England home field advantage coming in. I do think that this probably comes off of the three, and there's some support for Kansas City. Um, from the New England side, I'm really perplexed by their offense because against the Houston Texans, Houston was playing them in a very specific way in the first half to the point where New England could either get a matchup with a tight end on a linebacker or a running back on a linebacker, depending how they motioned out their formation because Edelman was getting double teamed every single time. And so Houston couldn't play with more than six defensive backs on the field. So if there's two on Edelman, that leaves four elsewhere. Um, And New England really sort of struggled to find any sort of success targeting their running backs, which is something they're very good at because Houston kept leaving a corner on them. But then New England ignored their tight ends where I thought they had favorable matchups. So it, it took a while for New England to figure that out. And what it left them with was single coverage with wide receivers against defensive backs that New England just didn't want to take a shot with because none of these guys can get open. And if you look at Kansas City, something they struggle against is defending runs inside and then also defending passes to running backs and passes to tight ends. So if Kansas City comes out, this is a very good secondary that plays deep in the sidelines very well, uh, but they struggle a little bit in the middle. So if New England couldn't really exploit that against Houston tonight, I'm a little bit concerned that they're going to be able to do that against Kansas City, where it's really a, a quite a similar matchup. So it, it's it's going to be tough, I think, to come around to backing New England in this spot, but I don't think there's enough in the number that I'm going to be running to take Kansas City either. So I think, again, my number here is probably just New England a flat three. Um, and the total here, anywhere between 48 and a half, 49 and a half seems right to me. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of weather in New England that could come into play later in the week. That could have a say. Uh, but I think sort of like a flat 49 for the total is a nice number. Any chance here you think we're seeing a bit of a, a clever move from the traders in the hope that people might take two and a half points on Kansas City because it's so soon after that game and a bit of a reaction? Yeah, and that sort of goes into how they expect players to come in later in the week and what they want to set up early. And it's a case where if they're buying into New England, um, it's great to set up Kansas City at potentially a bad number and have that sort of money offsetting any liability that could come in a little bit later with New England. It just comes down to sort of managing that risk. So if, if people can buy into Kansas City early at this short of a number, it's great to have that money in on the dog at two and a half if you know that you're going to get money coming back the other way on New England trying to take this back up to three. So it's if you can get it right now because of that reaction, it's a great spot to be in. Right, so we'll move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Arizona Cardinals and another game that the traders see as quite a close one, not enough to push through the key number. We've opened the Steelers at minus one here. Over-under is on 43.5, and and this is where the traders feel the interest might be because the the under could be a bit of a tempter for betters. So do you agree with this, or is is the handicap going to be of interest? Are we going to see it move up to the three? I don't know what this side is going to do. It's another one of those games. There's been about three or four now as we go through the card where you get sort of the contrast in results. 
Um, from today, you look at Arizona, they get steamrolled by the LA Rams, and then the Steelers come through and get a victory. At the end of the day, this is a third-string quarterback for Pittsburgh making a start on the road. He did play in L.A. against the Chargers, but that was essentially a Steelers home game, um, considering how well Pittsburgh fans travel and how poor the attendance is for the Chargers. So I would really classify this as like the first true road start. But Kyler Murray against this Steelers defense, which is still one of the better units in the league, is a little bit concerning after what we saw today. I will say that Arizona likely to be a very popular teaser leg getting taken up through the three and the seven with such a short total in a game where Pittsburgh's going to be challenged to score. And I think Arizona against this defense going to have their issues as well. So I could see a pretty big teaser liability being built on the Arizona Cardinals for books pretty well anywhere across the globe. Right. Next up is the Tennessee Titans at the Oakland Raiders. I'm probably now going to sound like a bit of a broken record because it's another one that's pushing towards the three this time it's the titans on minus two and a half and the over under on 46 and a half and apparently it'll be a big surprise if the market doesn't push this one through the three so what are your thoughts on that yeah and i think the raiders are becoming an easy sell not necessarily because it's warranted but just because of how they've looked the last couple weeks in pretty big profile games uh, and they're just putting up ugly result after ugly result and really becoming sort of Raider-ish in the way that they're handling games down the stretch here after looking very promising. Uh, something I will say about Tennessee, very much the opposite on offense, but their secondary remains an enormous liability. And this is a team that's only faced one team with a passing efficiency offense inside the top 10. They conceded more than 30 points and 450 yards in that game. Uh, but overall, 21st is this team in defensive pass success rate. And they faced one of the 10 easiest schedules in the NFL for opposing passers. So there's plenty of opportunity for teams to take advantage of the Titans deeper down the field. But the Oakland Raiders are not a team that does that. And we've seen examples with that against the Jets, against the Bengals. It's two easy secondaries that they were unable to take advantage of, just not how this offense goes. So with all of the hype around Tennessee and their offense and the numbers that they're putting up, how weak the Oakland Raiders are in the secondary. This is absolutely going to be a spot that goes through the three. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the total take a little bit of money to the over as well. Now, last up, we've got the New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles, and the, the Eagles have probably disappointed quite a few people against the Dolphins, but the Giants are poor enough to see them post as an eight and a half point favorite here. The over-under, meanwhile, has seen some action on the under. The traders were actually anticipating people to buy into the over, so... Do you see anything interesting here that might move those numbers? Will it go back towards the over, do you think? It'll be a case of, I guess, how big the money line and the teaser liability comes on Philadelphia for whether or not this sort of trickles over into the straight bet market and affects this point spread where it gets moved up because uh, this is going to be probably the most popular teaser leg of the week. I'm seeing a lot of anticipation and a lot of people pairing this with Arizona. I think that's like, the basic strategy teaser 101 for the week. You can even see this go alongside with Cleveland. Um, so Philadelphia is going to get a lot of attention in that regard. But I think just seeing the number this high initially, um, pretty telling of, of what the traders think of the difference between the Eagles as well as the Giants, as bad as the Eagles have looked. If they can ever put that game together for a full four quarters, uh, this is still a very, very good football team. So I think the numbers 
pretty well reflective of that. This is pretty enormous for a division game against the Giants, but it's certainly, I think, deserving just given how poor the Giants have looked in the last six to seven weeks. So um, I think eight and a half right now, probably the number that could potentially hold for a little bit, but there's going to be a lot of sort of secondary market liability here on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, we had a week off last week because of my travel commitments, but before then, I think we were talking about the Eagles and your power ratings and how they were kind of on the low end and you were, you were anticipating those performances to pick up. So you still, have you seen enough to still be hopeful of that, do you think? If they haven't been fully healthy for the better part of the last eight weeks and that's really hindered them a lot in what they want to do offensively. We know Deshaun Jackson's not coming back, um, but still, when you're missing, you're starting running backs or you're starting wide receivers. It's difficult to put together a full four quarters. And we've seen sort of moments where, oh, this is what this team can be. I still think that that upside is there for them. They're not dead yet. That game against the Dallas Cowboys is going to ultimately decide a lot. Dallas still has a couple difficult games down the stretch, too. So Philadelphia, there's running out of chances, uh, but if if they can ever just get things to click offensively, uh, this team still has as big of an upside as most in the league for sure. Well, you can get into all of that and a little bit more in a couple of days when we we take a deeper dive into the matchups and and try and find some value. Absolutely. I appreciate your time, Adam. And as I said, I'll, I'll speak to you later in the week. So thanks for coming on and speak to them. Thanks, man. And thank you to everyone for listening. All the odds that we've discussed on today's show are available on pinnacle.com. Good luck with any bets and remember to please gamble responsibly. 